The Green Suiters Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to support our show, get early access to each episode, get your questions read on there, and you want to listen to each episode ad-free, then head over to www.patreon.com forward slash greensuiterspodcast to find out how. If you don't have any bucks to toss our way, it would mean the world to us to have some feedback on how the podcast is doing. You can leave us a review wherever you listen to this episode. Now, on to the show. Good evening, ladies boys. And, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another edition of the Green Series Podcast. This is episode 15. Every five episodes, we pause our current programs and we do a, a huge community episode. We reach out to our patrons over on Patreon. We ask them to submit questions, comments, concerns, and complaints to us to have them read on the air. And we also reach out to the Instagram, YouTube communities for the same thing. Um, and we just pick, each of us picks three questions. Hopefully we have enough time to, to get to each question. Um, and again, it, these are all questions that are fed through by the community. It's just our way of raising up topics that you guys care about. So if you wanna have your question read on the air on episode 20, become a patron. You get pushed to the top of the key, get priority. Or whenever we ask for questions in our stories, submit a question then, and it may or may not get read on the air. We have a growing list of questions that we kind of go through when we do these episodes. So without further ado, let's get into it. But first, Jason, you have something that you wanted to say. You wanted to come out of of the closet, so to say, right? Yeah. Uh, but to highlight on one thing, you, you said that people get uh, priority for you know sending in questions everybody except Patrick from Leather by Dragonfly um, <laughs> okay drum roll Ben I do have an announcement I'm ready I'm gonna be a dad again what <laughs> yeah congratulations uh, you thank Con- you congratulations <laughs> Mr. Ben yeah this is the first time. I mean, a couple people know about it already. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be a dad again. And here's what's great, Ben. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but. <laughs> so I'm starting like my transitional time from the army in August of next year. Guess when the baby's probably going to be born? August of next year. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. <laughs> When I thought like, oh man, I'm going to get to like jump head in and, you know, really start going crazy. And yeah, I'm going to have a newborn at the house. So that's great. Woo! So, It'll be good, man. It'll be good. I've been up to making babies because that's what I do. You yeah, haven't been making anything else. So. <laughs> no, I definitely haven't. All right. That's enough. That's awesome, man. Yes. Congratulations gonna, to you, you and, and Nicole. I'm, I'm really happy for you guys. You the man, Mr. Bent. You the if, man. If it's a boy, we're going to name him Sedge. And if it's a girl, <laughs> it's going to be Sedgelina. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say Sedge. Yeah, or Sedge either way. It's, it's kind, yeah. of, a, it's it's kind of a unisex name, name really. <laughs> yeah. Hey, unisex. Hey. <laughs> That's got all kinds of double meanings. So no, before it, we it, get into... It literally in, has one meaning. Yeah, before, well, not for me, baby. <laughs> before we get into the questions, I, I wanted to... I told you I was going to just address this one thing real quick from... At R-Y-G-Z underscore L-B-R. I don't know what that is. Or L-B-R Farmhouse Furniture, which may be the same person. But um, this is like the second time or the third time in a row that this question has come in. And it's 
basically around the Oneida supercell. Um, you know, what What are your thoughts on it? Static pressure CFM, is it too good to be true? I just wanted to address that real quick now is that none of us have experience with that machine, so uh, we are not really the right people to talk about it, but I also didn't want you to think that we were ignoring that question that you were uh, continuing to send in. So, But I don't think any of us have any experience with it, so I just wanted to address that real quick. <clears throat> cool. I went and uh, looked it up on uh, the Internet. I did too. And it's an uh, interesting design. Yeah. I actually think it's the one that a uh, guy from Guy's Woodshop, I believe he has that. I'm not 100% sure. Oh, but wow. Um, I just don't, I don't have any experience with it. But he keeps yeah. writing about it, so I just wanted to let him know. Mm-hmm. So who's going to go first, Mr. Marshall? Um, I, can, I can absolutely go first, but I wanted to give it up to one of you guys. If you had one of the questions, one of your questions that was really, you really wanted to get at. but I, I have one for sure. All right, well, let's go. Let's hear it. All right, so my first one tonight, this is, I think this is going to be a really, I'm really excited about tonight because as I'm looking at these questions, there's a lot of really, really good questions. Um, the first one I have is from James Wesley Furniture, and it is, what's a skill, technique, and or tool you've wanted to try but haven't? And so I have, I have one for each. So the skill um, would be... One of these, I guess you could break down in either one. But when it comes to the skill and technique, the two things that come to my mind is veneering and Mm -hmm. like doing actual traditional veneer. Mm -hmm. And the other would be hand cut joinery. So those are two technique and skill that I would like to maybe try this this coming year. Haven't done it yet. The tool that I would like to try that I have not tried and I have zero experience with is uh, the lamello. Hmm. I would like to get my hands on a lamello and uh, use that, use some of those connectors. A lot of people ask me questions, oh, the Domino versus it's a totally different machine. It's not the same at all. But it looks very interesting, and everybody I've talked to that has used it has had lots of really cool uses for it. So that would be a tool uh, that I would like to try. What about you, Mr. Sedgley? Um, When I read that question, I just thought of a tool that I'd uh, like to try, and I'm going to. Uh, Christmas break is just about upon us, and I've scheduled a lot of time. When we're not shooting content, I'm going to mess around with the Shaper Origin. Nice. Yep. I want to really familiarize myself with that because I got all kinds of friends who work there and stuff. And you know, I get questions on it, and I don't want to say, I don't know. But it's I want to mess awesome with it. Mach- yeah. It's such an awesome machine. My so, buddy, my buddy at John, at uh, he works for Shape. Uh, he used to work with me here at Festool, and he uh, he was showing me some stuff. And he said they just correct me if I'm wrong, Ben. But they just came out with a killer work app on the for your iPhone. That's unbelievable. No, I, I didn't. I mean, they. I know that they had a they have a web based yeah. app that you can use on anything, phone yep. or laptop or anything. Um, so for the, for anybody that hasn't heard of the Shaper Origin, it's it's just like a handheld CNC, um, or like an auto aim bot with a router. That's pretty much what it is, and you can make your own 2D designs and upload it. And it's a really cool system. If if you're interested in CNCs but you don't have the the floor plan or space for it, it's it's a CNC in a box, pretty much. Um, yeah, I I love it. I love the the Shaper. It, it's such a cool. Um, 
piece of tech, you know, that it, it combines so many different things in, in one little package and it's really easy to use and it's, it's a fun tool. So I'm, I'm definitely pumped that you're going to dig into it for sure. Um, I would say I would agree with you too, Jason, uh, like really complicated Japanese joinery. That's something that I would love to, to try. Um, but you know, it's, and every time I see like videos of it, it's, it's so time intensive looking, mm. you know, you spend so much time for one joint. I'd rather right. just flip a. I just rather just flip a button and have a chunk of metal spin at three thousand RPM and then do it for me. You know. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. All right, who's Sedge? Uh, said you want to go? Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I gotta just look at the list because I want to call out who asked this because this uh, question is near and dear to my heart. Uh, what is your favorite? Uh, woodworking related books and it's by Torres at Torres Workshop so thank you for asking that question um, <laughs> I have quite a few <laughs> different woodworking books I do a series on Sedge Tool uh, our YouTube channel uh, this is such a perfect question for me because I've done two what we call pick six and it's six books that I call out six great authors that I know and tomorrow night we're releasing <clears throat> uh, the third pick six so when I and I'm breaking them down into uh, categories so the uh, I want to say Taurus workshop you can go and see because these are some of my favorite books that I uh, I mentioned in there and why but I'll run through about four or five right now um, there's two that come right to mind because I just think this author's fantastic author. His name is Christopher Schwarz, uh, the Anarchist Tool Chest and the Anarchist Design Book. Uh, it just they're just two great books. Um, he also is one of the owners of Lost Art Press. So if you go to mm. the website, website Lost Art Press, great blog, but they got a great um, selection of books. Uh, they're a great publisher. Uh, the one book that everybody should own is Understanding Wood Finish by uh, Bob Flexner. That's the Bible. Understanding Wood by Bruce Hoadley. And my favorite, somebody will call out and chase, and I know you borrowed this book from me uh, when you went down to Fort Bliss last year. Uh, it's probably the best cabinet making book I own. It's called, and I call this out all the time, it's The Complete Kitchen Cabinet Maker by Robert Lang. And uh, this guy is known for his uh, sketch-up classes. Uh, he's fantastic guy and uh, really great it's author. So, that, but I have so many favorites, and you know, it's funny because I cataloged uh, all of them last year, and I was looking. <laughs> I'm close to 300 books right now, but I, everywhere I travel, I always pick up a great book somewhere. Um, so, thank you, really, really, for asking that question because that one really hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, oh my god, perfect question. Okay, thanks. Yeah. I when I when I saw it I was like oh Sedge is definitely going to answer that one. <laughs> hey Sedge, can you explain uh, what Lost Art Press is and like what their oh, sure. their mission is? Yeah. Um, okay, so Christopher Schwarz and there's another gentleman who's his business partner here in Indianapolis, but they're out of Covington, Kentucky, and they are really into 
building with hand tools and power tools. Fantastic publisher. They just started it. They're, they've been in the woodworking, publishing, uh, working for magazines. They have uh, some great people with them, like Megan Fitzgerald. Uh, I got caught up in their blog many years ago. And at Christmas time, Marianne and the kids always say, okay, wh- which books do you want? <laughs> and uh, from Lost Art Press, and I own. <laughs> I don't want to say I own almost all of them, but I own quite a few of them. Um, they're just so – I'm sorry. Uh, I hit my mic. They're just so well – the books themselves are all hand-sewn, and they're so well-made. And they have – the people who they have for authors other than themselves are some of the best in the industry, like Roy Underhill and Christian Beckersvort. And, oh, man, uh, they've taken old uh, – uh, Andreas Rubo. I'm really bad sometimes in with names, but some of the old yeah, it doesn't uh, seem like it. Uh, Rubo uh, books, and they brought them up. They um, yeah, uh, and that's, Robert, and that's why Robert, they call it Lost Art Press. Is they're yes. they're taking a lot of old doctrine and documents and just quote unquote lost techniques, and they're trying to bring them forward into mm-hmm. the into the modern times, and that's. And, I'm trying to remember the author that I have. One of they brought it back, and I actually went back on when I was cataloging. <laughs> I actually owned the book already, the original. <laughs> so it's really <laughs> cool. I just, I just, I just dig them. I, <laughs> they're just great people, and they're fun. Their, their blog yeah. is unreal. Yeah, they, they have a lot of uh, a lot of content. On their yeah, show. yeah, for sure. Okay, Ben, do you do you have any books, Ben? I think I have two woodworking books. One is uh, Clean Dirty Fun or Good Clean Fun by Nick Offerman, which um, I think a relative bought me that for Christmas a few years ago. And then I have another one. I literally can't remember the name of it, so obviously it wasn't yeah. that good. I, um, I, most, of the wood, most of the woodworking books that I look at, or it's, it's more like business-related, not technique or um, how-to related. So. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to this one either. I, my, the only one I was going to say is is the one that Sedge already mentioned loaning to me, and that was that uh, the cabinet book, which I uh, looked at very heavily while I was down at Fort Bliss. So, mm-hmm. Right on. All right, so my question is from one of our patrons, Gary Furness, and he asked, when choosing wood, what particularly do you look at? Um, and for me, it, it really depends on what is the purpose for the material. You know, is this going to be a tabletop? Do I, am I worried about what the grain looks like? Am I trying to get something riffs on? Do I need something quarters on? Is this just purely structural and it's not going to be really seen that much? You know, I can probably, I don't want to say I would get flats on, but, you know, I, I try to get quarters on as much as possible, just depending on how much it costs. Um, but I, you know, I look for interesting grain patterns, if if at all possible. A lot of times, it's really hard, especially if you buy rough grain or uh, rough sawn lumber. You know, it's it, it it's it's so rough that you can't really see what the grain looks like underneath it unless you take like a small block plane with you, clean it off a little bit, look for mm-hmm. you know some interesting grain. But before I before I I get my materials, you know, when I have my designs made, I really try to try to hone in on one particular area that okay this is where i want to prioritize uh, a nice grain because that to me that's the 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 you know this particular area or spot on this design that is the focal point 
of this piece of furniture. And so that's where I want the really nice grain to be. And then for other pieces, you know, maybe it's the legs. I'm really not too, I, I, don't, I don't care too much about what the grain looks like. However, I'm still looking, you know, flipping every board over, trying different boards in different locations, seeing what the best grain uh, looks like. Um, and then, you know, whether it's going to be naturally finished or painted depends on the type of uh, porous kind of wood I'm going to get. You know, if it's going to be painted, it's going to be a tighter grain, poplar, maple, stuff like that. Um, but if it's going to be naturally uh, surfaced, then, you know, some type of really nice wood, a white oak, a, a walnut, um, stuff like that. But um, that's, that's typically what I'm, what I'm looking for. If I'm buying plywood, I really don't care what it looks like. Uh, I, I may try to uh, grain match, you know, a waterfall edge, or if I'm trying to do the, my cabinet doors, I may try to have the grain match going all the way across. And so I'll, I'll select one particular sheet of plywood just for that, that I want to prioritize it for um, the faces of cabinet doors or drawers or stuff like that. But, Sedge, what's your, what do you look at whenever you're looking at wood? Grain and if I can uh, cut out the warp or the mm. crook. I'm also looking for knots. I'm yeah. also looking for that too. Yeah, it, the, if, you know, imperfections in the wood. Um, but for me, it's grain. I've taken block planes or a hand sanding block just to look at grain a little bit. Um, Sometimes if you get a good lumber mill and you're going to select, maybe they can skip sand it really quick. So just to break off a lot of the, as I call it, the hair on the rough, on the rough lumber. Um, if I'm really, really searching. But for me, because of my machinery that I have here in the shop, that may change next year. But um, I was taught early on that sometimes when you look at like a, an eight-footer, and a 10-footer or 12-footer, um, you, you see a massive warp. Well, don't look at that. See if you can how much of the warp you can cut out of it, yeah. or the you know um, the crook, not the not the not the straight line rip or any of that, but just the warp because that's just a royal pain. Um, I have ways of getting around it with uh, some hand planes and a uh, thickness planer. Because I don't have a jointer at the moment, which I'll, I'm working on. Um, just looking at more footprint. But I look, that's what I look for. What about you, Jason? Uh, so to <clears throat> try to not repeat a lot of the stuff you guys said, because I'm, I'm kind of with you guys. Um, if I'm going and looking at rough lumber at a place, I'm not, I'm not super, super concerned about it, unless the project that I'm doing is very particular. I can find out most of what I need to know by... You know, obviously, if it's got tons of knots in it, and I know it's not going to work, it's immediately thrown to the side. If it's got tons of checking in it already, probably not going to buy it because you're going to waste too much of the material. Um, for me, I look at the end grain. So that's if I have a project that I need straight grain or, you know, quarter sawn, rip sawn, uh, maybe I do just need a flat sawn board or whatever. I just look at the end grain, and maybe I can find a piece that I could cut off three inches on one side and have an entire quarter sawn board. So... Um, or finding ways, maybe it's a really wide board and I can cut the middle out and have two quarter and riffs on pieces from the sides. That's the stuff I'm looking for. And then obviously any major defects. So um, everything else you guys, you guys pretty much covered, so uh, I won't beat a dead horse, but those would be the things that I was looking for. Cool. Ben. Oh wait, no, it's my turn again, isn't it? Yeah. 
That was Ben's question. All right, my next one is, uh, this was one, actually, we're gonna be answering two questions from him tonight. Um, so the first one I will say, this is from at Matasaurus on Instagram. It's a bench question. Why do you all go MFT style instead of a traditional Rubo style workbenches? Um, so there's a little bit of confusion there because um, Sedge does have uh, a actual, you know, hand tool bench, like a traditional woodworking press style up. bench. Vice press uh, bench. Um, we all have MFTs because at least in my, like the reason I'll, I'll answer for me, not you guys, but in my shop, I, the MFT is just so useful in so many ways with the Festool system and without the Festool system, especially the way that I have it set up where it's not even on its legs. It's actually sitting on a flat, you know, surface that is not moving. Um, it just works really good for my system. It's extremely handy uh, for, you know, a multitude of reasons. I, I just feel like I could talk about it forever. Um, I don't have a traditional hand tool bench one because I've never really been into hand tools until recently. Um, that's a, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about, but we won't unless we have time at the end, but uh, I plan. Yeah, I am a hand tool weenie now. Um, I plan on putting one in my shop now. Mark Spagnolo, the wood whisperer actually has just released a series on a, one that is like the perfect size for my shop that I might actually build. Um, because it would, I have a perfect spot for it and it wouldn't, wouldn't really change anything for me. So, um, the two benches, the biggest thing I wanted to say that you can't compare them. They're not even in the same category, ballpark, anything. An MFT doesn't replace a hand tool workbench. A hand tool workbench doesn't replace an MFT. So, um, Correct. that would be my, my answer. What about you, Ben? Yeah, you can't, um, it's not to say that that you can't use hand tools on an MFT. You can, it's just, it is definitely not the same experience. And um, who was it that you just had on, on Shop Talk, Sedge? Uh, Nick, or I'm sorry, not Nick, um, Keith Johnson. Yep. Where he was saying how he, he had the MFT a few years ago, but because, it, because of the lateral movement that he experienced whenever he was using hand plan or whatever it was that he was trying to use on it, it, it just, for him, for, for doing that type of handwork, it just was not suitable. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and just like Jason, I, I don't I don't do hand tools uh, really at all. I have a flush trim saw, and I, I think that's probably the only hand tool that I have, and it's like a cheap. It's like you a mean, cheap Irwin. You mean this, Ben? Yeah. Do you got a, I, you got, you got some cobwebs got a, on it, Jason? Do you have a uh, screwdriver? Dust on it. Oh. <laughs> See that? I used it, Ben. It's a big deal. We got to talk about it. Do you no, have a I, screwdriver? I, yeah, actually, I do. That's a hand. That's a hand tool. Well, touche. Yeah, that is touche. Um, yeah. Now, I used to have hand planes in the past, but I just I, I never use them. There, there have been a few times where I wish I had a block plane, um, just to like knock something off. But I, I've got a chisel that I have one chisel, uh, and I it's just a hand tool. Like, God, Sedge, can you just let it go? No. Okay? Do you mean a block plane like this? Oh my no, God. I mean you like, are so <laughs> like it was tiny. It was like this big. Like Jason knows what that size is like. That's what yeah. she said. Oh my God! But um, it's you know it's it's almost like trying to. I mean, 
I can't really think of any other way to say it, Jason. You said it like they're, they are very different in what they're setting out to do. If, if you have a lot of power tools or you have invested in, in Festool, you know, the MFT is a part of that system. Uh, if you don't have, um, if you have not invested in the Festool system and you, you like hand planes or you want to get into <coughs> hand planes, then I couldn't really recommend an MFT. Right. But for me, this is, you know, we've talked about it in previous episodes. This is the center part of my shop uh, is the MFT. This is where I saw everything. This is where I edge band everything. This is where I, I do everything off of the MFT. But again, that's what my shop is built around. But that's why I go with the MFT. Sedge, you have both. Okay, so, well, yeah. Um, a Rubo uh, type bench is the one that everybody's building now and they're a lot heavier duty than mine, but I got a, I'll just call it, I got a Veritas twin screw and I get the Veritas um, with the uh, wood uh, trestle base. Love it. I've had it for, whoo, two, since 2003. It's my hand tool bench. Now, I will call one other thing out. I was talking to somebody once locally here and he was in class and uh, we were talking about benches. And he was telling me why he loves his MFT-3. And I went, oh, that makes so much sense. I'll just call it, I'll just say it. There's a lot more dog holes on an MFT-3. It's not just two lines of dog holes or one line of dog holes. The whole table or bench is covered up with them. And you have a lot more clamping area for dogs mm -hmm. or hold fast or whatever. And uh, it's pretty impressive. So, I, I, I use both of them. Um, yep, that's all I have to say on that. I, I did. Ha I had a huge workbench. It's not a, a Lubo, but I get rid of it because of Rubo. how big it was. A Lubo? What? What is it? Rubo. Rubo. Uh, Rubo. Well, I had a big, a massive work table or workbench, and I, I got rid of it just because of it just took up too much space. So. Yeah. Um. Was it? I'm next. Or no, Sedge is next. No, Mr. Sedgley. Oh, I got another question. You were already back to your second question, Sedge. Moving right oh, along. Oh man, we are cranking tonight. Okay, so this one's fun. Oh, let me see who. Uh, let me see who uh, wrote this one. Give me two seconds. Here we go. It is from. Wow. Hopefully, I'm saying this right. Uh, at on Instagram. It came from Instagram. Uh, Nathaniel Belgaze. Does that sound right? I it's hope. close. He'll know who it I is. Hope. Okay, so when building cabinets, do you prefer using dominoes or standard dado rabbit? Okay, so um, I've never used rabbits in building cabinets. Um, I use uh, a groove for my backs. I always have, and I... In Fort Lauderdale, we used to run it through with a, a quarter-inch dado stack, uh, just the two outside uh, um, outside cutters, outside blades. We'd run all our grooves like that. You guys know the difference between a dado and a groove? It's about grain direction. It is. A dado yes. is cross-grain, and a groove is goes long grain. So Correct. I uh, I would always do that. Nowadays, I run grooves with, I have an MFK 700 and a parallel edge guide. It just works so easy. Mm -hmm. So 
in reflection back in uh, and I Jason you and I talked about this uh, building uh, frameless cabinets I was always using uh, three crown staples and two screws right for mm -hmm. that's how everybody builds down in South Florida it's a really good cabinet goes together quick but yep. I am working for a festival now and yes have I changed my tune Yes, I use a domino. Would I go back and build cabinets in Fort Lauderdale? Would I use a domino? Yes, I would. Because one of the problems about assembling cabinets is making sure that f frameless I'm talking about um, is making sure that front edge comes together with the edge with the edge banding. And when you're using a domino from the front, uh, using the precision of the machine, which I call it, using the the flap and doing my side tops and bottoms and sides that way doing that mm -hmm. perfect butt joint from that front edge i do them in tight and then loose from the back but tight from the front because that ensures me when i put this together i just built six cabinets uh last week i think it was for a rolling uh, media center for the uh, boys for festival live and i'm going to tell you what every time i do that i go is it it's is it an extra step? Yes, but in the long run, it would have saved me a lot of heartache in assembling cabinets because it, it automatically just pops together. And I still use screws, right. but it's, it's for alignment of front edge, and that domino is the cat's pajamas for that. Yeah. So that's, that's my two cents on it. I, I prefer using dominoes. Um, you want me to go, Ben? Yeah, you can go. If I had to pick between those two, it would be dominoes for a lot of the same reasons uh, that he mentioned. The biggest reason for me, one, the thing that like a lot of people, I, I don't feel like the domino gets as much love for is the domino is great for lots of reasons. But the thing I love about the domino so much is assembly and dry fitting and how everything lines up and you don't have to hold it while it's together. <laughs> like, so for me, if I had to pick those two, absolutely, I would do the domino. I don't think there's much of an argument to say like, oh, it's an extra step. It takes more time. Well, so does cutting a dado. So, yeah. you know, it's irrelevant. You're still going to take the time doing something. Um, nine times out of 10, am I using a domino when I'm building cabinets uh, for like the stuff that I'm doing? Usually no. But if I know I want, I just like said, you're staying Brad Nailer, narrow crown stapler screws um, and throwing them together. But if I, if I wanted to make the process like really easy, you don't have to toy with like trying to get everything lined up. You just use the domino and it's lined up. So... Mm -hmm. Again, it goes back on the other argument. Like, if you use a dummy, you spend a little bit more time, but are you tweaking it at the end, like hold, trying to hold it in place and get it stapled in or get it screwed in when you could just put it together and then screw it in? So pros and cons of both, but mine would absolutely 100% be a domino over a dado. I, I've i built cabinets with a dadoed, like, bottom shelf or bottom groove before if it's, like, a standalone cabinet um, that's going to be visible on the sides. But other than that application, it, it just doesn't make much sense to me at this point. Ben? Yeah, if, if I, and I'm just trying to think of the furniture in my house that, I, that I've built using uh, dados and dominoes. Almost, it, there's a domino in every piece of furniture in my house. Um, my bed, I think I have a few uh, dividers that are dados. And I think at the time that I did them, I think I did it just because I wanted to try the technique. However, to answer the question, I, dominoes over dados every single time. Uh, I don't have to calculate how much of, of the, uh, you know, 
dado you know depth plus like the divider and like yeah. you know you have to make That's a bunch of additional point. calculations when you're doing dados or rabbits especially if you have um mid-panel carcasses or any any panels with in, inside your carcass with the domino you know you want to make sure that you mark everything properly you want to make sure that you do tighten your your tight and loose gen tenons properly um it, it's just it's so much quicker at least in my shop it is i know that some people may have you know dedicated dado places and stuff like that but for me the look of it of a dado doesn't really give anything you know yeah dados are, are very stable but so is a domino so why would i take more time to do a dado when i have the tool you know that's that's readily available so well i, I could I, do that too ben if i had those tools <laughs> i got a, i got a really good video coming out soon relate alluding to that anyway but you, you know the the thing that it always comes back to like why why i pick festival it's because it gives me accuracy and speed like that that's why i have it you know it, it doesn't mean that one is better than the other when it comes to joinery like whatever holds the furniture together it's going to hold it together it doesn't matter but it's just it's what are you willing to spend the time doing and I would much rather have more time to do other things than to cut dados on, you know, however many panels. So, yeah. <clears throat> you oh, know so what? That's, is, that's really oh, cool ahead, because I always thought it was a dad do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a it dad o. A dad if, you're, if you're friends with Fred Flintstone, <laughs> a dad do. <laughs> <laughs> Which said. It just hit me. I'm like. Yeah. Hey, hey, yeah, Barney Rubble happens to be my favorite actor. Yeah. Oh my God. You probably know them. I do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, Ben. <laughs> this, uh, this also comes from Metasaurus <laughs> off of Instagram. And uh, he asks, if no time constraints on projects, would you still use the fastest tool in the job? Um, part one. If you had a more enjoyable tool that wasn't fast, would you use that? So he's saying, like, would you use a handsaw over a table saw? Um, I mean, That's a great if, if question. There are no, yeah, it is. It's a really good question. And I think that most of us, especially the, those that are, I mean, professionals too, but hobbyists as well, you know, there's always this, this time pressure to get things done in a certain amount of time. And Jason, you definitely experienced that. Um, what was it this week or last week where, you know, you messed up on the, the rails for Leo's bed. It's not true. I don't mess up on anything, <laughs> but, um, <Oy. laughs> I would, oh, I screwed up big time. It's a, it's a really good question because sometimes the fastest tool doesn't mean that it's the right tool. Um, oh. I, so it, going off that, that there's no time constraints, I would use the one that would give me the, the most uh, pleasure in using it. Like whichever I feel like is the most fun to use. Uh, I made some French cleats for uh, one of my, my workbenches last week. And I could have easily uh, taken the, the CS75 out, put a 45 on it, and then cut the French cleats that way. But I wanted to use the HL850, the hand planer. Of course the, you did in the workbench and um and like it was perfect french cleats and my cats are going insane right now i think my youngest one got into some catnip she's i don't know if you guys can hear her, but she's no. going all over the place anyways 
uh, I would use the one, whichever one is the most fun for me to use. Like, isn't that kind of why we're all doing this? Because we enjoy it. So that's my answer. Sedge? For pleasure. <clears throat> Pleasure's my answer. That's a that's a tough question. It, it's I, a good one. It's a good one. Um, I, I think it's so one that no, people probably don't ever stop <clears throat> and think about. Well, I I I, I didn't know we were gonna. I I read this question earlier, and I was deciding whether I was gonna take this or not. So uh, I'm not going to use a handsaw on a piece of plywood. I'll rip that with a table saw every single time. You're not a glutton for punishment? No, but here, here's the other thing, too, is um, I haven't been around or I haven't been using my hand tools a lot uh, because the last 15 years I've just been so caught up in my day job and stuff like that. So I'm just getting reinvigorated back in my shop. And... When somebody used to ask me, hey, what dovetail machine do you have? Do you use a dovetail machine? I go, I prefer to hand cut dovetails. This is my dovetail machine. Yeah, so I, you know, I really enjoy that <laughs> because there's a simple pleasure to it. And boy, I'll tell you what, that's one of those things that I am reacquainting myself with. And uh, I lost a lot of uh, hand tool muscle, as I call it. So. Uh, that's what I've been working on is just getting back up to speed. And it's a, guess what? For me, it's just pleasurable because um, it's, it's just, it's quiet. How's that? Is that a, yeah. is that a, like a Zen? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's very cathartic to hear that, to yeah. use that plane, to hear that. Yeah. It, 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 what's, what's what really funny. What make, Ben? Oh, okay. Actually, if you're using Jason's, it's like, well, well, Jason, I read that. I read that. Oh, I read that. I saw that story you did about uh, you had the saw blade marks and you just took the hand plane to it. Yeah. Uh, of course, it's that is so much easier, isn't it? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's you didn't have to retool something. You just picked it up. Somebody might have adjusted that hand plane for you, but uh, yeah, I okay. Hold on, let's not talk. It, it sharpened it for you. I want to talk about this at the end because we are really cruising. Like we're getting ready to answer our third question apiece. So I think we're going to have some time. I would love to discuss this, Sedge, because I am so excited right now. I know. I can, You're getting I me can all tell. giddy. You're okay, getting me so all giddy. Just Put really quick. Back on. Also in this, are we also going to do an IG call out tonight? Yes. Okay, good. Okay. I just wanted to check because I have something. A so real good one. let me give my uh, answer on that. It's clearly a good question because he basically – he left the, you two initially kind of like speechless, like trying to think about it. Um, I'm, I'm with both of them. I, I'm with Ben, though, on the fact that time is not an issue with me, with any of us. We're not doing custom work. The only time that comes into play in, in my life uh, is, you know, getting things done for a certain time by YouTube, and that's self-imposed. So any time schedules that we have are completely self-imposed in what we do. Right, we are all legitimately hobbyists, basically. Um, so, with that being said, I don't. That that's not the deciding factor for me. I do what I know I'm going to enjoy, like Ben. You know, it's edge banding, really good example. 
right? I could either pull out a freaking iron and sit there and iron away and go through that process, or I can pull out the, the Contouro. And I'll tell you, 11 times out of 10, I'm going to grab that Contouro because it's more enjoyable for me to use. Has nothing to do with the time. Matter of fact, that might even take a little bit longer. I got to wait for the machine to warm up and it's, it's big and it's bulky and, but it just does the job so well. Right. And, um, and, and I would say that it's more enjoyable and it's quicker than doing iron on edge banding. It's oh, also yeah, sure. the EVA glue is a lot better than that. Oh man. It's glue back stuff that peels off. If, if you, if you, well, I guess you could use a heat gun to, to pull the, pull the banding off. I've had to do that before, but yeah, once oh, that stuff's at, on there, it is, it is on there. Look at kitty cat. Yeah, so I don't – the second part of that question is would you use the tool that takes more time? Uh, yeah, for sure, 100%. Um, ben, ben really had a really good comment when he said the faster tool doesn't necessarily mean it's the right tool, right? Sometimes yeah. the, the slower tool is the much better option to do, right? Mm. Um, so, yeah, the, it, I'm going to go with whatever – either one, whatever makes me the most happy because that's why I'm out in my shop is to be happy. Uh, or two, if I'm trying to learn something new. So, yeah. If, yeah. if if I'm if I'm doing uh, schoolwork or or doing like social media stuff, and I've been behind a computer for a while, like woodworking is the break that I take to to kind of kind of re rejuvenate or reinvigorate myself. So, it's uh, just like I said before, it's all about enjoying it. So, all right, I think it's my turn next. Yes. All right, this is my third question. Yeah, wow. Moving right along tonight. Um, at Amp Builds on Instagram, he says, kind of a two-part question, looking to build a six-foot round diameter dining table, one and a half inches thick. Does it need a skirt? First question. Second question, any special considerations when building a round table? Um, so for me to answer the first thing, no, I don't think a round table needs a skirt. I, I mean, technically speaking, no table needs a skirt. Skirt just provides... Uh, a certain aesthetic and it also provides it helps keep a tabletop flat over time and all these extra things on traditional style tables right so but an apron isn't something you have to have on a table uh, yes, or a you skirt. Do. yes you do how do you hold the legs together unless it's a pedestal what if they're connected directly to the bottom of the table like my uh, breakfast room table how did you connect them they're connected by, uh, there's these wooden angled oh, pieces oh, underneath. Time out, time out. You're right. Got it. Yeah. I just so, was, I was just, I was thrown back on that one. Sorry. So, well, so, no, what you just said leads me to the second part of the question. And that goes with my special considerations. Um, when you're doing a round table, you need to pay very particular attention to the base. Because if you have a, you know, single leg pedestal table of some sort, is it big enough to support? Does it have enough uh, length to the supports underneath to support the table from moving and rocking side to side? Yeah. Uh, is it going to have just legs attached directly to the bottom? Um, which in my case, the one that we have in our dining room table, like that's, that's how it is. There's four legs. There's a little wooden angled wooden bracket that the legs screw right into. No apron, nothing like that. And it's only three quarters of an inch thick. Um, so I don't think you absolutely need a skirt for that. That would be a, a challenging skirt to build too. Yeah, that'd be uh, cool. It, it, yeah. I mean, you could still do a square base. You could still, you could still do a, a skirt. Just, you know, 
It doesn't have to be, um, I can't remember the guy's name. That's all he does is like these big, huge tables. It doesn't have to be a pedestal. You can yeah, have no, a square no, no, base no. underneath. No, right. no, 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 no. Right, I'm it just all saying. Depends on your, he, it all depends on your design. Any, right, he asks if there's any special considerations. And to me, that would be a special consideration is the yeah. base you choose yeah. based on the fact that it is a round tabletop. Because yeah, you have to yeah. count weight being displaced on any edge. Whereas yep. at a table, you only have to worry about four edges that there's going to be weight, you know, put down on it. Yeah. What about you, yeah. Ben? Um, what, my question or thoughts about the No, the thoughts about that question. Um, no. I mean, you know, does a square or I'm sorry, does a circle table know that it's a circle table? Like, maybe. No, it doesn't. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to move the same. You still need to think about um, if you're going to do channels on it. If, you know, how are you going to... Um, lay the boards out for, for, you know, how will you account for wood moving? It's, it's going to be the same as if it were a rectangular or a square shaped table. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think you hit it on the nail, Jason. You, you have to think about the base because the weight distribution is going to be different on a, on a circular table because it's all directions, not just four or four sides, you know? Mm. Yeah. I just, I, I wasn't thinking when I said, how do you bring the legs together? Because I've built the like conference tables I built at work. Those are trestle tables, you know, and mm -hmm. those, I don't have any aprons on those. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I've always done just a lot of traditional rectangular tables. I've always had, you know, with tapered legs and you always have to bring a, or the majority of the time bring a skirt in there right. or apron. But Anytime I've done a round, it's been on a pedestal. Yeah. It's like my, my dining room table, the walnut one that I made. Yeah. You know, that's four legs, you know, held together with an apron and, you yeah. know, traditional style table. Um, and look, look at that when you delivered. That didn't have an apron, did it? Did no. it help you deliver when nope. I was your apprentice that day? Yeah, you did. I, which still. And I driver. Complaints. I still get complaints to this day on my apprentice on, on that delivery. And I shop in your hand planes now, <laughs> blades. You do. You're so great. Oh, That's why we're you. best buds. Well. <laughs> uh, it's, you get your third question there, Mr. Sedgley. Okay. I got to find it. Okay. Here's a cool one. Uh, by the way, everybody who sends in these questions, they're all great. I just got to tell you that because they really make me think. And I, you know, but we get a limit sometimes just, we do three of these and it's kind of funny because there's so many more, so many more I want to ask or, or answer. Okay. So mine, are there any, okay. It's from at, oh my God. Is that an F, F, F O H E R I C Forick for Herrick Forick. Okay. For are there Eric, any yeah. corded tools that you are dying for a cordless version of? Great question. It is because <coughs> I use a cordless version of this tool. <coughs> Excuse me. Twice I borrowed it, the cordless version. And I have a corded version that it was my dad's. Um, it's a sawzall. And I'm dying to get a cordless sawzall. Uh, so it, am, do I need it? No. I use a sawzall, what, every three four five years <laughs> but the next time i have a big demolition or something i am gonna get a cordless sawzall now 
Okay, so I have a cordless tool. It's not Festool. A cordless tool. It's not Festool. Uh, Festool doesn't make this. And uh, I don't know how I have it, but I have a cordless caulking gun. And it is amazing. I use it all the time because I seal and peel all my windows in the wintertime. Saves me a boatload uh, of money. Does it, give you, uh, does it give you like a really consistent bead? Unbelievable. And that's the thing. You save money on your caulking. It's consistent. It's perfect. And your arm isn't after 10 tubes uh, of caulk. Your arm and wrist are, don't even want to... Uh, Oh, you guys are terrible. <laughs> you guys, Man. Ben, ben, I, says there, ben, I'm, ta there I'm are talking. There words that should not be said in close proximity to each other, and you said both of them. <laughs> okay, but I did that, and my arm and my arm and wrist used to kill me. I mean, you talk about hands hurting and tubes and cocks. Wrists. And, yeah. And it's funny. I'm guys. And, Said I almost bought socks it. And I reminds almost bought me of, one of those. <laughs> reminds me of high school. With my left hand, I could barely pick up a feather, but with my right, I could crush a small Volkswagen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that's why I have to put explicit ratings on all of our podcasts. That's not because of that, right there. Oh, you guys ain't right. Uh, so, who's up to answer that one? Uh, me. I I think, yeah. Ben, you've got the next question. So, Well, I wanted to answer the question, though. Yeah. I know. I was going to let you go last, and then you can just go right into your question. Okay. Well, fine. Go ahead. Um, Take it away. <laughs> Sedge, I almost bought one of those uh, cordless caulking guns the other day when you were here talking about it. <laughs> I went to the Home Depot the next day, and I was looking at it. And I'm like, ooh, I might do it. Um, <laughs> but I didn't. I'll just borrow yours. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is kind of an obvious one, and it's not something that like I can't, you know, go get. Um, but a cordless trim router—that's like one of the few. I mean, obviously the Domino and all those other tools are still corded, but the more I, I'm transitioning more and more to cordless, and I love my trim router. I've got a uh, the corded one that I have that's not Festool as a Dewalt. Um, I really use the Festool one mainly for the edge banding. Pretty much, I just keep it set up for that, but. I'd like a cordless one. I really would because it'd be great. I could take it right over by the CNC machine and cut my parts out, you know, after they're done. I could, I don't have to bring this stuff over to the table. So a cordless trim router is something that I am dying to get my hands on. The problem I'm having is just deciding on which brand because no matter what, I have to go with another battery. So, mm -hmm. hmm. and if I'm going to do that and there's other tools that I might get in the future for home renovation style stuff, I want to make sure I'm going with the, the one platform that I'm going to stick with. So Ben? I'm going to answer it, but I'm also going to give a cheat answer. So then I, I've almost pulled the trigger on a cordless sander. I almost bought one last week, but, um, but I kind of wanted to hold off on it. So that's, that's probably the one cordless thing that I would want. Just something quick to, to, you know, to reach for it, knock off whatever it is I need to knock off. Um, but my cheat answer would be a battery powered, uh, zero turn lawnmower the ego Ooh, the ego, ego they make the, one oh yeah that like that thing looks so awesome and every every uh spring i have to replace the um the spark plug cable on my lawnmower because uh field mice chew it 
over the winter. Oh, wow. Like they like to just like nest up underneath the engine block. Mm. And um, so that that's like just like my spring thing now is I have to get all the, the field mice nests out of my engine. Um, but if I had that battery powered, I mean, I guess I could park the lawnmower in here too. But if I had that battery powered zero turn lawnmower, I could just pull it into the, into the basement whenever I'm done with it. You know, yeah. I don't have to worry about fumes or anything like that. So, but um, my last question is, and this is going to be a really short one because Jason and I don't really have anything to say about it. Oh, let it's me guess. It must be from Patrick. Patrick from Leather by Dragonfly asking yet again another hand tool question. Which saws do you prefer, Western or Japanese, and why? Um, I don't American. have any, so. American. Sedge, if you would like to answer this question that Patrick I, purposely wrote I, in just so he could hear us say we don't know and you could answer it, go ahead. <laughs> um, I have both. Um, What's the difference, Sedge, between Western pull, pull and push. And a push is uh, Western. A pull is, uh, is Eastern or Japanese, as everybody calls it. Um, I use a small Japanese saw for uh, really small pieces on uh, my bench hook. And I'm talking like little pieces of molding I cut like that. I actually did a video on it. <clears throat> Excuse me. I showed how to do a, uh, uh, a bench hook or make a bench hook. We did one for Big D. Uh, I prefer Western. That's what I grew up using. Uh, I'm just used to that push stroke uh, working up to my line. It's just that's my preference is Western almost all my saws are Western. I have like uh, I have about three different Japanese style and I like them. But I always reach for my cutting dovetails or tenons if I'm using a handsaw for that. It's they're all Western. Well, there you go, Patrick. <sighs> Would it ever be beneficial one over the other? Uh, that is, uh, for or me, just like a, it's a, it's, no, I mean, it's a just personal. in general or, it's or personal. Is it like just a shooter's preference kind of thing. Yeah. And that's what I'll tell you. Uh, people will disagree with me. They say that they have more control with the Japanese style. Um, Japanese, uh, I like my Japanese, the one I have, I like it for, like I said, small stuff. It's a very thin blade too. Mm. Uh, but I, I just, I'm just, how do you say you just, you get used to what you're used to. And well, you just, you use what you're familiar with. That's it. And that's you, the and right, stick, that's the right stick way. Stick with it. Yeah. Stick with it. Just like people that only use Imperial, you know? Yeah. Weirdos. So <laughs> we are doing really good. We're not even at 55 minutes. Wow. We've already answered nine questions. I would really briefly like to discuss my newfound love oh my god <laughs> so it all started uh what was that Hang on, let me go get a cheese grater so i can rake my face against it yeah no like four or five weeks ago when ben was down here <coughs> and we had our uh drunken hand tool session at oh in sedge's garage um that was painful no it was wonderful i had a lot of fun that night and then sedge the very next week we went to uh, Patrick and Michelle's and we again were hanging out in the garage drinking beers just having a good time 
messing with random planes and it was fun like i i've <laughs> i actually had a good time and then i made it a point to bring my planes up to you to sharpen them on the old tormek we did that and <laughs> i just they're so great and then i was sitting in the shop and i'm working on leo's bed and i had a hell of a day the other day because I screwed up and alluded to it. I talked about it in my stories, uh, which again, I got so many messages from people saying, oh, that's so awesome that you shared that, which I still think is weird. But I just had, I had a bad day. I didn't get to get nearly as much done as I planned. And then I'm sitting here at the end of the day and I'm looking at the edges of my boards and I'm like, uh, I don't have, I had very minimal saw marks, but it was enough where I wanted to do something about it. So I'm sitting here and I go, why don't I, why don't I get the plane out for this? <laughs> Take some super thin shavings. And I prop these things up. They're 76 inches long, uh, these rails. And I propped them up on my MFT, put in one of the stops down at one end. And I just went down the edge. It didn't move. Not, everything was fine. And I just planed those things off in a couple of passes. And I took like two passes and I got this big smile on my face. And I was like, this is so much fun. What a great way to end the day. And then like that night i was like all over the internet looking at benches looking at planes where can i find them then come to find out of course i can't find anything right now that uh, the stuff that i want because everything is on back order or unavailable currently or or whatever so anyways it was fun it was a lot of fun and one of the things i think i said this in my stories is that next year i want to increase my abilities and I want to challenge myself because that's a good part about doing the social media thing is I don't have to do anything. Like I can do whatever the hell I want. Mm -hmm. um, and not only is it going to expand my knowledge base, it's going to make me a better woodworker, <clears throat> but it'll also give me the foundation uh, to learn things and then help teach other people who might have felt the way that I felt prior to. Like um, an and I think hand tools is going to be a big part of that. I really do for some of the things that I want to do. So I love it though. Like, <laughs> I might even sit out here for a little bit after this podcast and play in a couple of boards just for fun. <laughs> I'm dead serious. It's, I, I mean, it's, 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 it's definitely cathartic to to use it. Yeah, I think um, I think that it can be very frustrating for people that are brand new to to hand tools that to you know that maybe they don't understand how to set up a hand plane and that the angle that you have it at really matters and the pitch and um, you know, you're, if you're going from power tools to hand tools or vice versa, it's a, you know, you're opening yourself up to a whole new world of, of having to learn things. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's important to, to really take your time. And, and really, I think that you're in a really great position because you have, you have Sedge at your disposal to kind of sharpen you know, my blades for me. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Sharpen your blades for me, but, but also to kind of like, uh, help <laughs> you kind of go through the the process of, of learning how to do it because i remember a few years ago when i i bought a few hand planes and like i didn't have anybody to teach me how to how to set it up properly or you know that certain angles of planes are better used for certain situations and um like it was a very frustrating time oh yeah because i didn't know what the hell i was doing you know mm -hmm. and i would i would you know, make one pass and it would be really good. And then I would go to do another pass and the blade would be canted and it would only plane off one side of the mm -hmm. edge. And I was like, mm -hmm. what? 
you know, I, at the time I didn't understand what the craze was because I was having so much trouble setting this thing up that um, it, it kind of robbed me the, of the enjoyment of it. And it wasn't until I bought this little itty bitty bitty block plane that I could just take and, you know, whip a quick chamfer on something or take the, the, the edge off of some edge banding that I really started to enjoy it. And then I just kind of took my time. You know, I took one plane. I said, okay, I'm going to learn everything about this one particular plane, the style of it. I think it was like a four or four and a half or something. And then eventually I got down to it and, you know, bought a sharpening system. And But it's it's a lot. I think if you go the hand tool route that you need to invest more in patience and time than anything else. Ah, oh, nice point. And also... No, no I'm going to invest in really expensive planes, Ben. So... I'm gonna make a quick comment. Did mm-hmm. I did I uh, tell you guys about what I bought at Menads about a month ago? Because I'm gonna do some content on it. I'm gonna walk Big D through um, fixing up a hand plane that we got at uh, Menads. Mm-mm. It was no. twenty dollars. It has the name Record on it. Now I have Record hand planes. They're fan- phenomenal. But this is this is unusable, brand new. There's wow. so much grinding I can do, and I can see someone buying this and saying, I can't get a good cut with this, and you mm-hmm. cannot get a good cut. It's impossible. It's not sharpening the blade. It's impossible to use. I have to grind this. I figured it out. I'm going to have to grind the blade back so it's actually operable. So think about somebody just walking in there and saying, oh, I'm going to buy a nice hand plate. Oh, that's a good name, yeah. record. And there's the frustration. There goes there. <laughs> their, their possible to, to, to try ha- have, to, yeah yep they they could actually learn and they'll they'll never pick up a hand plane again that's why you know it's, i've always suggested buy uh lee nielsen buy a veritas you still got to hone the blade you still got to do some fettling sometimes on the uh the hand plane you know uh but it's you're starting with a really quality base. They grind the the sole, the sides. It's just just I, like I any mean, other tool. Yep. Yeah. Tolerances you get, are better. Yep. You get what you pay for. Sedge, are you familiar with Union? No, I've never been in a Union. <laughs> union planes. Uh, no, I'm not. I, you know what? Uh, if I uh, if I probably see it or look at them, I probably know them. The only There's reason somebody... I'm asking, somebody wrote me a message the other day and said, check out Union. Mm. And I guess he's like one of the biggest, I think he said he has like the biggest collection of Union hand planes like in the world or something. He has like 250 oh. of that specific plane. Yeah. And I'd never heard of uh, it before. I just wondered if you had. Uh, is it? Uh, is is it just Union or is it it's, Union Tool? It might be Union Tool. I, I'd yeah. have to go back and there's, look. There's all kinds, and if it's an antique or like uh, there's Union. Uh, there, I mean, there's there's, there's so many. Sagent, Miller Falls, uh, of course Stanley. I know the guy who's got one of the largest Stanley collections in the world. Uh, what Ted do you Hopkins. have the most of? Uh, you have a lot of planes. Uh, Stanley. Stanley because I have a lot of I have a lot I have I break them down between collectors and uh, uses and um, a lot of my reach to uses are Lee Nielsen 
but I have some Stanleys that I reach for all the time. Uh, my dad was an antique tool dealer up in Maine for many, many years before uh, he retired from his business as young and uh, in his early 50s. And he took like six months off. And next thing I know, he's got another business, but it's uh, antique tools. And he made he, my dad had a golden uh, the Midas touch with businesses. Um, and uh, he uh, he he sold to a lot of museums. He And that was back in the. That was back in the late 70s, early 80s he was doing that. So he was one of the first guys up in the New England. He knew all, he knows all the big the big names, um, all the big Stanley guys. Yeah, there's a book out there that is out of and, – and that's the other thing i got to be careful of because I have so many books that uh, – for t uh, tool collecting – you know, and I can name a bunch of names. But those guys were my dad's friends, like Sellens and Walters and all these people. Uh, but these are all out of publication. So that sometimes I'm going to have to say when I do my book reviews or my book recommendations, if you find one of these, buy it because they're they're pure gold. Yeah. Um, uh, Alvin Sellens, those books sell for like, I have all first editions. I have like two or three of them. And I've seen upwards of those selling for two or three hundred dollars the books themselves because they're just and antique collecting is a whole nother topic um but yeah so long story short you asked me most of mine is stanley lee nelson veritas i have some sergeants i have some siegley's i have some miller falls and uh yeah <laughs> Wait till I start breaking out some of these other ones for you. I have some uh, English planes. Uh, so, you guys ever heard of oxygen planes? <laughs> I've, I've got one right here. <laughs> yeah, those are, that's nice. That's a nice one. So Airplane. We, <coughs> I'm excited about the hand tool stuff. But, um, do you want to do some quick recommendations and close this bad boy out? Let's do yeah. it. I'm ready if, if you guys want me to go. I am. Go I'm for ready to go, go, too. go for um, it. As much as I kind of don't know if I want to do this one, I love the content that's on it. And the only reason I say I don't know is because I, I think this is one of those like daily inspiration pages. So it's not like an actual person. However, the designs that are on here, I really like and they inspire me a lot. So the page is, and this is Instagram, Cop and Klumpful. K-O-P-P. Uh, U-N-D-K-L-U-E-P-F-E-L. Kupfel. I think I just saw that. I think I just saw that. It's it's the German. It's the, the it's German. The, it's uh, the German designers. They are oh, famous yes, for yeah. almost designing everything. Yeah. Oh, far from pooping. It's like the BMV of furniture. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, my wife's going to love that. So, again, I, I don't think that this is a particular person, and I typically hate these types of accounts, but when I look at the pictures of the furniture that's on it, I just yeah, it's, love it. It's and a, it gives me so many different ideas uh, of things that I'll account. probably never achieve. But um, just really cool stuff. So yeah, I would check that a out. Repost, it's a repost account. Yeah. What a bummer. But there's some really awesome stuff on there. So you could probably dig through it, I'm sure, and find the people who actually built the things they talk about. But 
anyways, that that would be mine, Sedge. Mr. Sedgley. Okay, I think I've mentioned this guy before, but I want to call him out because we've been going back and forth today. And uh, do you guys know who Doc Wright is? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's the right edge. Uh, and it's the right, W-R-I-G-H-T, edge. And he can be found on uh, um, therightedge.com. Okay, so he, this guy builds incredible. He's an incredible, passionate woodworker. Does a lot of slab work, but his clients are unbelievable. He built a, a table for Matt Frazier, and they found each other on Instagram, or Matt reached out to him. Uh, he's a five-time CrossFit champ. He's the fittest man on the planet. Just what a doc is the coolest guy in the world but he just did this check this out you guys heard of black rifle coffee haven't you oh yeah yeah he just did a collaboration with them he was holding back he couldn't tell me but he goes he was going said i got something coming i guess it's really big it's really big so he's done work for black rifle coffee but they just did a collaboration <laughs> you gotta go see this it's a tesla with mini guns yeah i'm looking at yeah, it right now. okay so they're wondering why is there a Tesla on his page? Okay, but what's cool about it, and you can go to Black Rifle. They just launched this video, so he was uh, texting me. He goes, go check it out. When you open up the back, it is a little mini bar, and yeah, it's his bar coffee bar, and he did all the work on that for them. Nice, they, uh, cool. They asked him to do it, and they he actually has a video he sent me today, and the owner of Black Rifle Coffee is calling him out. Uh, his friend Doc Wright from the Right Edge. So. Go check him out. Great guy. You know how I just like people who are passionate about woodworking and Doc's the man. So there you go. Nice. That's awesome. So this, this week mine is, uh, and you guys know him, uh, Peter Kapar from Petrie's Workshop. He's also one of the co-hosts on another workshop podcast. And uh, mainly because, well, everybody that's listening to this now knows that I just got a 3D printer. And um, I, I've been thinking about getting a 3D printer for quite a while, but it wasn't until I saw uh, some of Pete's stories about the 3D printer process that he has and what he uses it for. And that's whenever I just kind of bit the bullet and, and ordered a 3D printer. So I'm, I'm super glad that I have this thing now. It's I've already printed, uh, I don't know, 10 things from my house just today alone. But um, if you haven't seen his his uh, his feed, he's you know kind of a, a maker-oriented does woodworking got an etsy shop so if you're interested in maybe the business side of things seeing how other people are able to make money with their with their passions and that's definitely somebody you want to go give a, a okay or a give me out. the give me the instagram again so it's petries p like the letter oh yeah trees workshop oh cool he's on the podcast with mike Oh, yeah. duh. Yeah. Another workshop podcast. Yeah, I follow him. Yeah. But. Yeah, duh. Those are all of our accounts Good for dude. this week. Very helpful. Cool. Yeah, he is. Yeah. But uh, I just wanted to give a, a big thanks to everybody that submitted questions and comments for episode 15, uh, another community episode in the books. I just want to remind everybody that if you want to have one of your questions read on uh, episode 20, you can submit it to us anytime. Just let us know, hey, this is for, you know, this is for the podcast. Submit your questions. Uh, patrons get first dibs. 
at the, the top of the key and then the community gets the rest. So thank you so much to everyone that has commented, uh, that's left us reviews. And um, instead of leaving us a review this week, I want, if you are listening to this podcast right now, make a quick story about it on Instagram and, and tell people that, that you're listening to the podcast or maybe take a screenshot of, you know, we, we've done 15 episodes now. What has been your favorite podcast? Why? Make a story about it and then tag us in the account. We'd, uh, we'd really appreciate it. Yeah, it'd be awesome. For sure. For sure. Cool. But until next week, unless you guys have anything else you want to add. No, sir. Do it was it. a good one. All good, All right. man. See you guys in the next episode. Thanks, Bye. everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Ben, co-host and editor of the Green Suiters Podcast. This episode is over, but if you want to hear more topics like this and you want to be a part of our conversation, head over to patreon.com forward slash Podcast for early access to each show. If you're listening to this on free feeds, be sure to leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.